0: So we have a very special live edition podcast for you today. As you're listening to this, I am in Kona, Hawaii, for the VinFast Ironman World Championship, which, as you may or may not know, is 100% Women this year. So it is a huge historical week here. Feisty Media, the women owned and operated company that produces this podcast, is also on the ground covering all the action and holding special events like two educational podcasts we did on the main stage, including this live recording of Hit Play, Not Pause. And honestly, It was such a huge emotional moment in my own life to be back in Kona after 15 years away, having raced it in 2008, and to be able to literally have a platform for women to talk about perimenopause and menopause without whispering, but into a microphone for all to hear. And I was very honored to be joined on this panel by amazing women, including five-time world champion, Melanie McQuaid, who has been on the show before, and physical therapist, Dr. Chrissy Davis, and Jen Temperley, co-founder of Fly Health and Wellness. I introduced them all very thoroughly in the show itself, so I won't hear. But even if you never do a triathlon, I highly encourage you to listen to this show Melanie talks about body image and her own struggles, as well as how to train for the long game. Chrissy dives into musculoskeletal health and injury prevention, and Jen goes deep on how the menopause transition impacted her and how she adapted her life and her training to qualify again at age 50 this year, 10 years after she was here before. It was a wonderful, wonderful conversation. So I encourage you to listen to it. It's a great week here at Kona, and um, watch the women. They're going to be on this Saturday. All right, before we get to it, just a super quick thanks to to our sponsor, Cool Jams, who do PJs and cooling sheets. It is hotter than Hades here on the island, and their PJs definitely help keep the body cool, even when you and the temperature is hot. So thanks, Cool Jams, for your support. All right, now let's have a few words about some of those awesome sponsors and get on with the show. As a lifelong runner and cyclist, I am stoked to announce that Tifosi Optics has come on as a podcast sponsor. The beauty of Tifosi sports glasses is that they hit all the marks. They are shatterproof polycarbonate, so the lenses not only reduce glare, but also offer scratch resistance and complete eye protection. They stay put. They have little hydrophilic rubber nose pads that actually get more grippy the more you sweat. So they stay secure and don't slide down your face even when you're running in sauna-like conditions. No matter what sport you do, they have a shade for your activity, including tennis, fishing, pickleball, running, cycling, and just hanging out at the beach. And they are super reasonably well-priced, which is very hard to find in a sea of overpriced eyewear. And. They just look freaking rad. So head on over to tafosioptics.com and use the code FM, capital F, and capital M, like feisty menopause, number 20, FM20, to get 20% off your order today. I'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. Musculoskeletal health is everything during menopause. Everyone knows how much I love Joint Health Plus from Prevenex, which has helped me get back to distance running after arthritic toes stopped me in my tracks. Now they have a product that has become my go-to for muscle strength and recovery, Muscle Health Plus. Muscle Health Plus contains all the key ingredients we talk about on this show, like creatine monohydrate, essential amino acids, and branched chain amino acids, Plus, even more cutting-edge ingredients like HMB and estrogen that are scientifically shown to increase muscle growth, recovery, and strength. I use it every day during my early morning lifting sessions, and there's no question that it helps my power during those workouts and my recovery after. Plus, I love having everything I need from the best high-quality ingredients in one reasonably-priced shake. I've also heard from fellow users who have had bloating or GI upset in the past from creatine that haven't had any of that with Muscle Health Plus. I make my shake with almond milk and espresso, but it's also good with ice cold water, which makes the flavor really pop. As always, you can get 15% off your first order with the code HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Previnex.com. That's HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Previnex.com. Do your muscles a favor and head on over and get some today. All right, all right, well, for anyone who does listen, hello, strong, feisty women, and if you listen, you get that intro, because you hear it each and every week. And thanks for the men, too, for being in the audience. I am so stoked. I met so many people this morning. I've met people along the way. Um, I've been so honored to meet everybody, and I never in a million years thought like I'd be the menopause expert, but, but here we are, and um, I'm, I'm really, really, really happy to be on this stage talking about perimenopause and menopause, because for way, way too long, women have felt shame and stigma and they haven't understood what's happening to their bodies. And they and I know because I had a lot. I didn't know. I mean, I was just like I was racing as a very competitive mountain bike stage racer. And one day I'm like flying up mountains like I have no chain. And the next day I like, I'm like, where did my muscles go? Where did my power go? Why am I sweating all night? Why am I waking up feeling like the world is coming to an end at 2.15 every night, drenched in sweat? But nobody talks about this stuff. So then you don't know. And then like you feel ashamed and your body's changing. And you just stop. And that's why I was like, this can't, I'm not alone. You know, I know I'm not alone, but I feel alone. How many other women feel alone? And how many other women feel confused? And how many other women feel ashamed? And I was like, enough. I mean, if you look around, this is a sport for life. Like, there's no reason that we have to stop it. There's no, there's no reason. But if we don't understand what's happening with us, we can't do anything about it. You know, so I'm very grateful forever for Feisty for giving me the opportunity and giving me a microphone to talk about this stuff. And I'm really grateful for people like the women on this stage for for like it shouldn't be brave. It should not be brave to talk about perimenopause, but yet people still talk about it in that language. And when they do, it means like it's something to be ashamed of and it's not. And that is grounded in ageism and it's grounded in all kinds of stuff. And I'm not going to get all up on my bit about the patriarchy. That's not where we're at don't worry but but it is it's real and the more we talk about it and the more we talk openly about it the more it's no big deal because it's just a stage of life you know we don't like go uh, when a girl gets her boobs you know at, at 13 we're all, what did you do what did you do what did she do she's got like <laughs> she didn't look like that before you know we don't do that to her but we sure do with it when women come in the other side of it and they go into puberty in reverse. You know, then, like, whoa, you know, like, maybe she's not taking care of herself like she should. Yeah, so, and, like, enough. Like, enough. Anyway, I have, I have, many, <laughs> I have many other... Th- <laughs> anyway, I have an amazing panel that is going to talk even more, but um, I'm just very excited to be here. I'm honored to be here, and I'm honored that you are all here, so thank you. I want to introduce this amazing panel. We have... Uh, Melanie McQuaid, who really almost needs no introduction, but I'll give you one anyway. Um, She's a professional triathlete, mountain bike racer, five-time world champion, and she continues to compete at this elite level while focusing her energies on a coaching business, and she coaches one of our other panelists up here, as a matter of fact. And she's got some other really great accomplishments that's happened recently, but we'll wait. I'll I'll talk about those in a little bit when I get to your questions, but thank you for being here. Next to her, we have uh, Jen Temperley. Welcome. And she is the co-founder of Fly Health and Wellness, along with being a USAT-certified triathlon coach, she, among myriad certifications. She has been in the sport since she did Iron Kids at the age of eight. Uh, her career includes age group wins at Oceanside 70.3, Wild Flyer Triathlon, and Escape from Alcatraz, which is pretty badass. And she's competed in seven world championships, including the Ironman World Championship in Kona. And she's back again. And thank you for being on the stage with us. And then last but certainly not least, we have our other movement and strength person on the stage for this phase. We have Dr. Chrissy Davis, and she's a physical therapist, strength coach, and triathlon coach with MSM plus JHC. Is that how you say that? Okay, coaching. She did her first Ironman in 2009, has completed 12 Ironman races, countless uh, 70.3 distances, Olympic sprint triathlons, and she is the owner and sports performance physical therapist at Precision Performance Sports in Parkridge, Illinois. Give it up for the panelists. Thank you. All right, I am going to start with you, Melanie. Uh, yeah. Um, first, a giant, giant congratulations on being here and making this happen. I had Melanie on the show last year. She was 49 at the time and she was going to be turning 50. And at the end of the show, I said, you know, like, what's next? What, what are you thinking? And she said, you know, when she, the year she turns 50, and her goals were still to win an Ironman, qualify for Kona, and go sub nine. And she may not have nailed all of those, but damn, you are ticking them off. You got second place podium in Maryland, and you made history. Melanie is the first 50-year-old to podium in the Open Pro category of an Ironman race. She plays third at Coeur d'Alene to be here, and she is the first ever 50-year-old-plus athlete to qualify for the main pro race right here in Hawaii. So that is rad, and she is rad, so thank you for being here. I have a few questions for you, but I want to lead with one because, honestly, after I've been doing this podcast for three years, I've been leading, we have a membership. I have a um, pause community that's got, like, 30,000 women in it, and one of the biggest issues here is one that you addressed so beautifully in an Instagram post and I want to just share it with people um, Melanie has a ask me anything where she has, you know people come in and they ask her questions and one of the questions she got a lot is like what do you eat what do you eat and I want to just read some highlights of her answer she said the answer is anything my body asks for I absolutely do not restrict or count anything except race grams per hour I really had shame about the shape and the composition of my body and fought it for years. I'm over it. I don't feel like that marginal gain will improve my performance, and the risk of underfueling outweighs the performance gain of recovering from training. I fought that body with the chisel, restricting my eating for big events, unsuccessfully time and time again. In my mind, I needed to look leaner to improve. Never, ever worked. So now I'm in a 50-year-old body that is absolutely resistant to fat loss, and I don't care. If it performs as I've trained it to, I'm happy. I will never. Be be the leanest and look the ideal but F that I'm racing fast I want to broadcast that on the moon anyway (laughs) that is the number one issue I hear and I'd love to I'd love you to talk to this audience about that about performing in that state and how like how you get to that mental place
1: Um, I guess like it's easier after you've been in the sport for 30 years to finally come around to the realization um, that some of these things that were so important when you were younger are are clearly not performance enhancing or that Im- that important when it comes right down to it. Um, there's a variety, a variety of ways to approach this question, and um, I'm going to start with general, not just athletes that are over 40. Um, I'm also a coach, as as Celine mentioned, and uh, the primary goal of training is to stimulate your body to you know adapt and then rest and recover from that. And the athletes that find their real potential in sport are able to do that consistently, day in, day out, you know, week in, week out, month in, month out, and year in, year out. And in order to be able to maintain that consistency, you actually have to provide your body with the building blocks of recovery. And so until you've actually gotten to a place where you can consistently do that training without getting injured, sick, or whatever, you're, you're probably not maximizing the, the gains from training that you need that are, are a maximal gain, not a marginal gain. And so when we start to talk about body composition, that's a marginal gain. That's a that's a small amount of weight loss that potentially could create a small improvement in your performance. And in my experience as a coach at a variety of levels from like, you know, beginner athletes to professional athletes, there's only a like a small fraction of a percentage of the number of athletes in the world that ever need to even worry about that. And and they're probably a medalist at the Olympics, or somebody who's going to win an elite world championship. And those athletes are also supported by a team of therapists and nutritionists and coaches and people that are monitoring their body, you know, data day in and day out so that they can ride this razor's edge that you're on when you're trying to restrict the, the, the amount of available building blocks to your body. Now, without that team, without that marginal gain required, then what you need to do is make sure that those nutrients and those building blocks are always available to your body because you cannot afford to ride the razor's edge because you're going to get injured, you're going to get sick, you're not going to be consistent, you're going to miss out on the massive gain instead of the marginal gain and so I think that I that is what I would broadcast to the moon as a coach is that if you can't recover from training you might, have, might as well not have done it and so worrying about what those like extra couple pounds of fat or whatever you imagine in your head is on your body is, is not useful when it comes down to like building what is your actual engine and, and um, allowing your body to become the machine that you're trying to create so that's like job number one <laughs> Um, do you want me to... G-
0: yeah, just psychologically. I mean, you know, people people do. They look around, and women do. A lot of... I mean, there's a lot of body image issues we have forever. You know, right? Like, if there's anything... And, I, and you know, if you could solve this for everybody, that'd be great. Okay, but- I'll,
1: I'll, I'll try. Okay, I'll try. So a good um, parallel example to, um, you know, is we have a lot of female athletes that this, that struggle with their body image. Um, and I'll give you an example of a male triathlete who... who also has like a body that doesn't fit the norm who handled it beautifully so everybody here probably knows who Christian Blumenfeld is if you look at Christian Blumenfeld he looks like a wrestler he does not look like a triathlete by any stretch of the imagination and so this guy he he talked about this openly in a podcast where they considered do I need to alter my body composition to like go faster and so they did all this testing and did all the things and the answer was no Like, and the guy is the fastest guy in the world, and he looks like a stocky little wrestler, (laughs) and he flies across the ground. So here's a really rational and objective approach to what your body looks like. Now, imagine you're a female athlete, and you kind of look like a female equivalent of a wrestler. You are going to beat yourself up that you don't have this, like, tiny stick figure... Like runner physique that you imagine in your head is the ideal for a triathlon, and you're going to fight your genetics tooth and nail to no avail, because your genetics are your genetics, and so what happens is you just have this visceral emotional response, you know largely created by society that makes you make irrational and poor decisions about how you manage this machine that is your body, and so, and then it it, it compounds because you know, when you when you start to when you turn forty and you get older, then your metabolism is slowing down, weird stuff is happening, and then you're fighting it even more. Uh, whereas the, the best approach is kind of what I said before, which is, you know, you are what you are. And to be able to do this sport or to be an endurance athlete is a is a privilege, right? And it's it's amazing to live in a body that's healthy enough to do these insane things competitive exercising contests, right? So if you just honour your body and do rational things, then it's largely going to perform the way that you want it to. And in most cases, when you're not emotional about these decisions, you tend to make pretty good decisions. And so in my experience, when you take the emotion out of it, you're probably making better choices on a habitual basis, and your body's probably going to get pretty close to what its optimal composition is going to be anyways. Whereas when you're fighting it, you're starving all the time. You make stupid choices and, you know. So I, I think it just comes down to just recognizing, okay, what are, like, what am I going to look like? And just being okay with that. And, and I think that that's, that's what I largely came to. At about, I don't know, about 40, I kind of, maybe 42, I stopped, like, trying to do these stupid things. And, and I did start performing a lot better, just being like, okay, I'm going to be the sturdy one. Um, And it's working so I I think that's it is just kind of not being emotional about it.
0: Thanks so much All right, let's speaking of sturdy um, Let's talk about the skeleton and the musculoskeletal health down at the end there Uh, Triathletes are no strangers to overuse injuries other orthopedic issues relating to our sport Uh, These become more common often in menopause and midlife So Chrissy, I'd love for you to talk about like what you see and what you counsel women to do in that respect
2: Okay, making okay, making sure this works. Um, yeah, so a lot of it is a lot of the overuse injuries and they get them more as we get older. Part of it is because of just accumulated stress. We started doing this in our twenties and our thirties, and then you know, the body's just been going for a longer period of time. So most of every Injury that I see that comes into the clinic is an overuse injury, whether it's a plantar fascia issue, whether it's an Achilles issue, whether it's sore knees, hips, low back issues. Most of the time, it's not like a diagnosable injury where you have to go get imaging and you have to have surgery. Most of the time, it's a strength issue. And over the time of years, we get muscle imbalances, especially when we're doing a sport where we're doing repetitive motions like running miles upon miles upon miles, and we're doing the same motion over and over again, and if we're not working in the other planes of motion, we're not gonna get that strength, and that's where that starts to break down. And then we also have changes of our tissue quality as we're going through menopause, and our estrogen starts to vacillate, and that starts to cause other issues, other aches and pains that uh, women start to get, like just getting out of bed in the morning, and so, We just want to make sure that we're working on being sturdy, just like you said, like strength, strength, strength. You may have been able to get away with not doing prehab before a run uh, in your 20s and not have to worry about doing strength, which you still should. But it catches up with you in your 40s. And that's when you really have to make sure that you have to change the way you do things. You have to incorporate a warm-up. You have to give time for your tissues to actually warm up to get that resiliency in to be able to have a great performance.
0: Can you give an example of prehab? Yeah,
2: so um, kind of like Erin was saying earlier, we all end up coming down to the hips. Uh, Triathletes and most women in general have tight hips. And so we want a a tight muscle is a weak muscle. So a lot of times when people are like, oh, my muscle's really tight, I need to stretch, I need to stretch, I need to stretch, that's really not the answer. It's usually tight because it's weak, and a weak muscle doesn't get us anywhere. So something like doing some glute med frontal plane work. Um, So a lot of times we start people with clams, but that's not very functional. So once we, unless you're injured, you don't want to start with clams. That doesn't really help you, but you want to be standing against a wall with a foam against uh, your knee and you're working on activating that glute meat while you're doing a single leg squat because that's going to get you into that running position and teach that glute meat how to help stabilize you when you're running. So just whether it's, a, it doesn't have to be an hour. It's 10, 15 minutes, just something to kind of get both the blood flowing and activate the muscle so it remembers that it has
0: a job and to do its job for your run. Thank you. For decades, running shoes have been researched, tested, and designed for men. Brands have relied on the shrink-it and pink-it approach to sell male shoes to female customers. That's why we are stoked to be working with Hebas. Hedda's designs athletic footwear for women that elevates performance, safety, and style. Hedda's has unlocked the science behind women's biomechanics through dedicated research and creates better shoes for women's performance. Some of Hedda's special features include a lower ankle collar to reduce rubbing on women's ankle bones, a breathable mesh toe box to allow for ventilation and accommodate female toe shape, a more narrow and reductive heel cup to reduce heel slippage and take pressure off the Achilles, a rounded instep that creates a snug fit through the middle to match the curvature of a woman's foot, and supercritical foam and a PBEX plate in the midsole to keep our legs going when the going gets tough. Hedas has three shoe models designed for different sessions, the Alma Cruise for your long runs, the Alma Tempo for training days, and the Alma Speed for pushing the pace. I've been running in the Alma Tempos, and they are a pleasure to train in. You can get your own pair of Hedas at Hedas.com and use the code Feisty20, that's all caps, Feisty20 for 20% off. Check it out today. We'll put a clickable link in the show notes and make it a snap. All right, Jen, when was the last time you were here?
3: I was here 10 years ago, so
0: 2013. Were you anywhere near menopause at that point?
3: I was not. Well, I was 40. Um, I didn't know. I didn't we didn't talk about it. We didn't I mean we just yeah, we just fly, right? We just we just go. And uh a lot's changed in the last ten years. I, I thought that would be my last one and then to be honest I, I did the race and then I finished and I'm like Wouldn't that be cool if I came back in ten years when I was fifty? And I didn't actually say that out loud. I kinda thought I, I processed it inside and uh and then you know, as the as the years went on it kinda was like, No, nah, it's not gonna happen and then a couple of years ago it just was let's let's try to make this happen. So I'm back. So what tonight.
0: changed? Give us the highlights then. Oh uh,
3: well I fought it. <laughs> so <laughs> back in two thousand sixteen was when I was really struggling with I had low energy availability, I had, you know, adrenal dysfunction, whatever you wanna call it. Um, I, I struggled to train, but what did I do? I trained harder. Um, I was getting bloated. I wasn't feeling great body wise. What did I do? I ate less, you know, and, and I know all these things, but they just, they happen without you even really processing them when you're in the moment and you're training. And I was training for a world championship at the time. And I was, uh, just kind of go, go, go. And had my, my eye and my mind and my thought one way. And I really should have considered how I was feeling. So the difference is now i really take in what I'm feeling from a day-to-day. I process the training and with experience uh, or with aging comes experience and education and um,
0: just soaking everything up. Was there a moment at which you realized there were hormones involved with what you were experiencing? Yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. So I went to the doctor because I'm like, something's happening and what did they say? They said, you're in you're going through early menopause. So they gave me hormones and I was 43 at the time and I just was I was willing to accept whatever anyone a doctor right you're like okay you're, you know what you're doing you know what you're talking about so I did whatever they said because I was struggling so bad to get out of bed and I wanted to train and um, I had headaches and I just had all this going on and so I went through that process for a couple months didn't help didn't change and then fast forward six months found a new doctor one that understood hormones a little bit better, understood triathletes, understood endurance, looked at all the lifestyle components, not just one blood test. And um, and so that really changed everything. She's like, get off it. So that's not the problem or, or the issue happening. You're looking at lifestyle. Um, I was anemic. I had a lot of nutrition um, components. I, I had iron. I had some things for sure missing and out of balance, but she helped me reset and... And get back to it, and then that took even more time. So, I think going through all that helped me come out on the other side. Of I don't ever want to go through that again, and it was it was just so miserable, and 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 I was I was to the point where I was just like, it's this sounds it sounds so like over, but I was like, I don't want to get out of bed. Like I just I was I like, I don't know. care if I never race again. Like <laughs> let me just be able to go to yoga, and and so I totally toned it down and, and took everything back, and. Um, and that took a while. That took a good couple of years. And, um, yeah, so now I've, I'm, I'm smarter. And now that I'm going through the, tra- the the transition for real, it's like now I know what to expect. I know all the questions to ask. I have the greatest resources, two of which are right here. And I know the right questions to ask. And it makes such a big difference. Then, you know, you got to empower yourself to know what's happening to your own body, not just taking one person's... Uh, you know, advice and what they say, and just going along with it, but really, um, just just taking it in all by yourself, and um, no one's gonna help you more than you and what you're going through.
0: Thank you for sharing all that. Really appreciate it. So Melanie back to you, I'd like to hear when you were on the show, you talked about you know how you have changed your training some over the past you know even three years you said like learning how to lift properly, Olympic lifts, you know the kind of things that you didn't really see endurance people doing um, lifting heavy, working on your form. I'd like you to talk a little bit about like that process you know what when did you go in to be like, I'm going to learn to lift differently.
1: Um, the things I'm really proud about my coaching business is it's a really skill-based approach to training, and and so I, I look at mobility as just part of a, a philosophy of almost like a reverse long-term athlete development plan. I was I coach primarily age group athletes. Very often they're older. Um, and what I see regularly is a lot of loss of athleticism, and so um, and by athleticism I mean like being able to pick yourself up off the ground, right? You'd get these athletes that could run like a one twenty half, but you they're sitting on their ass and they can't get off the ground, and uh, it's it was crazy. And so I started a mobility class in two thousand and twenty where I was like, okay, you guys are terrible. We're going to work on this. And so I did and then of course we we got through covid doing that as a live stream ca- class that I continue to this day. Um and so that's the start of it is like I think strength training just sort of fits in t- in terms of like creating a robust and strong athlete and you got to look at the individual and find out where those gaps are for each person um and just like Chrissy was saying like it like you have a lot of linear motion in our in our sports and so you do need some um, exposure to different like a variety of speeds because you know tendons respond to like high inp- input input um, stress that you don't really get from doing race pace um, so so in- incorporating that as a you know a like a, a go-to move every week is important um, and then in terms of strength training and Olympic lifting um, it's just a nice way to isolate some um, explosive movements uh, um, but the other part of that is, um, like, I really believe that uh, there's a skill to running. Uh, running is a sport that a lot of people just think that if somebody's chasing you, you can get away, and therefore you are able to run. And in my experience, that's not the case. You know, a lot of people can't run very well at all. And that's and so that's the only thing I would add to the the comment about injuries in endurance sport is a lot of people don't know how to run. Um, and that's compounded by a lot of really bad sports med advice. Um, people get an injury in their feet and they get put in an orthotic, which I believe just moves the problem further up the chain. And then you're going to get more injuries from that. So, um, so when I talk about base, base athleticism, being able to walk bare feet, if you can't walk bare feet, you've got a problem. You should like, it's a, it's a really simple thing that, um, you can start to look at is why can't I walk bare feet? Um, so when I look at strength training, it's, it's a piece of the puzzle in terms of creating a, a complete, robust, sturdy human from the ground up. Um, and it's a, not a one size fits all. Like Olympic lifting works for me because I'm actually really strong in general. I don't think Olympic lifting is, is the right thing to do if you've never done anything with weights before in your life. Like you definitely just can start with straight out, you know, like squats in the gym or whatever with, no, with body weight. Um, but I I do think that um, it's a fact that after 40 um, it's actually worse for men so good thing you guys are here Um, the (laughs) sarcopenia is a real thing Um, when you see the skinny old men with their tiny skinny legs it's a a force of nature that's happening you guys should be in the gym well before us (laughs) but it happens to women as well and so you're you're fighting a, a battle against muscle loss so certainly it should be a primary thing Um, And then when we talk about hormones, um, endurance training is really, it drains your hormones. And, like, this is what we want to do, but, you know, you finish this kind of training and you get into a hormonal lull. Um, So in order to sort of recharge your batteries, incorporating these exercises that have a much more anabolic hormonal response to them, like strength training, um, really helps you to regulate your hormones. Uh, So in, in my program, I just incorporate tiny little 20 to 15 minute Body weight routines that happen like frequently during the week, usually before bedtime. And that happens to be a, probably a really good um, way to manage some of these hormonal fluctuations for people that find they're, they're having trouble at night. Works for men as well, because we, we're talking now about women who are getting older and it's called menopause and it's a thing and apparently there's stigma, but it's a man thing too. Like it's actually happening just as much to men in my experience as a coach. So a lot of these things that we're trying to manage for women are also useful for men as well to like, you you know, to manage like some of the things that are happening to them.
0: Yeah, and the people that were here for Erin Carson, she said the same thing about mood and about the hormones and the drain and how lifting. I mean, I'll do like just five sets of five deadlifts just to just bring my mood back up, and I'm just like buzzing, and my legs aren't so. You know, it's not about that. It's really not about that at that point. It's really about that hormonal piece, and we don't think of it that way. We're so conditioned to think about that old Gold's Gym and the guy in the Zumba's pants or whatever the (laughs) heck those were. I can't remember. You know what I mean? Like it was just this thing. We've got to like endurance athletes need to lift and it gives you longevity and and um it's just good inside and out and structurally and speaking of structurally back to you Chrissy um you know i mean you can talk a little bit i can see you probably have some things to say you know to piggyback off of that but also You know, with women specifically, and I don't know how much you can speak to this, but I wonder how much you talk to them about, like, what they're feeding themselves to help their, you know, get those stress reactions and a lot of the stuff that we see.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And just to kind of uh, piggyback a little bit off the strength training, what I have found with a lot of my female athletes, especially those over 40, they're scared to go into the gym because they don't know how to lift. They've never been taught how to do a squat. And so they hear the word strength training and they're like, oh my gosh, I can't do that. So I think that we need to really come together and find ways to make sure that women feel comfortable in the gym because you need to be there. And like Celine was just saying, it's not like all the big guys in, in, in the back of the gym. Um, it, 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 everybody needs to be there. And I know a lot of women are also very scared of getting too bulky. And <laughs> and that really can't happen. You go ask one of those guys that have the really, really big arms and chest and the itty-bitty tiny legs, how much time and how much weight that they're lifting, that just doesn't happen from lifting 10, 20, 30, 50-pound dumbbells. Um, and we also don't have the hormone that really builds that. So I, I want to get rid of that stigma um, of being scared to be in the gym and like just making sure that people know and feel comfortable with doing it, because what they also so are always saying is that they're scared to get injured. So I think, you know, just having some, even one or two sessions with a good personal trainer or a strength coach or a physical therapist just to have that movement analysis done and so that you feel comfortable doing it, and then also not being afraid to lift heavy. So I know a lot of my women, a lot of my patients, athletes, they're like, oh, yeah, like, well, I'm lifting, like, I think I should just stay at about eight pounds. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not what we're going to do. We that's, might need to start there. That's a bag of cat food. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, we might start there. That doesn't mean you're going to start lifting 100 pounds day one. we got to build up to that, but no, 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 no. Like, that's not even functional living. Um, what was the rest of the
0: question? <laughs> <laughs> oh. If, if we, when you talk about, like, there's a bit of a nutritional piece for the stress yeah. reactions and all that kind yeah, of
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we definitely do see a lot of stress reactions, um, and that does tend to come from low energy availability or RED-S relative energy deficiency in sport. And especially at this age, kind of um, talking like with what Melanie was saying, we have the body image issues. We're trying to underfuel because we're trying to. That worked in our 30s. We could cut calories in our 30s, and all of a sudden we'd lose weight. We could cut carbs for a couple weeks, and all of a sudden lose 10 pounds. That doesn't happen anymore in our 40s, and it shouldn't have happened back then. And that what kind of started the yo-yo dieting. But a lot of my athletes at this age group like, are trying to cut calories to lose weight. And all of that, just like Aaron was saying in the last podcast, which can affect fertility because the body is not going to let you have a baby if you can barely feed and support yourself, but it goes to the same thing with bones. The body has a priority listing of what it uses its nutrients for, and it first prioritizes the brain than heart, lung, all the things that really keep us alive, and it's going to start stealing those calories from the bones. Bones are constantly remodeling, but if you don't have the nutrients to put back into it, that's where we start to get more stress fractures, more of those stress responses, because we're doing the overuse, we're, we're running, we're running, we're running, we're ignoring little niggles, and then we're also not feeling enough. So yeah, we definitely like talk about that, and I do hear a lot of my patients athletes they're they're very like oh gosh but i can't like you know talking to get them to even increase a couple hundred calories and i don't want them counting calories but sometimes we need to because they realize how much they're not eating
0: yeah and and also i think it's important to note that in this demographic particularly like once you get into perimenopause and certainly menopause you don't have Literally the big red flag you don't have your period that might be indicating you know at the amenorrhea that you might get when you're younger and you're going into that danger zone you don't have that indicator anymore
2: exactly and so you know you're like oh it's just menopause or like i 'm missing my period because of that and that's why I think it's important, especially at this age and as Jen was saying, like the low energy, like, yes, it very much could be perimenopause and hormonal things, but there are so many other things in the body. And, you know, you go to a primary care physician and they're going to do blood work and everything looks normal. Well, normal is not normal. Normal is based off of a really wide range of unhealthy people. So we want to be optimal. We don't want to be normal. We want to have the best levels. So getting that blood work done, and you can't really do the blood work at the peri stage for, like, the hormones, but for everything else, your iron, your ferritin, your vitamin D, all of those things are what's really going to help you know what's helping with those symptoms. And if there's no other red flags, then it's probably perimenopause.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Jen, can you share like what has worked, uh, like if, you, if things that stand out for you that you do now that you didn't do say 10 years ago that you think have made the most difference like being here right now?
3: Uh, yeah, strength. <laughs> uh, actually, I, I've, I've done strength for a while. I've been a strength coach for over 10 years, okay. um, but it wasn't incorporated into training like it is now. So it's, it, it was a priority, not really. So it was be like pushed aside when we got into training, I think a lot of people might tend to do that. Uh, <laughs> mobility is huge and again, it was you know the not sexy part and you just maybe do it or you do like a couple minutes on the ground and, and keep going. Uh, warm up wasn't as important now, obviously it's really important to do the warm up, to do the drills, to take the time. Uh, I'm gonna list a lot here because I nope. believe in all of them No, I, go for but it I also believe that they all need to be like if you if you think of the circle they're almost all even with training so you know add in sleep uh make, making sure you're getting enough sleep uh, making sure recovery is huge and Melanie talked about that earlier uh, it, that that's tied in with fuel if you don't fuel properly during your workout so I would go on a bike ride and I'd eat maybe a bar Uh, It's like a bike ride. I'm fine. I come home and I eat a lot. But it was like, no, now you need to eat. You need to eat throughout all your training so you can recover and dive back in again the next day. So, recovery has been a huge um, change. And I I think overall, just uh, again, incorporating them all together, making them all a priority, and then knowing where you are also. So, I can tell when I'm, I can tell now that body, that feeling where you're. You're starting to be depleted and you need to go get a burger or steak or you need to go on a hike and get away and take like take, take the weekend off or something. Melanie knows. Um, and I, I know I know that needs to happen and I do it and it's it's all good. Like I don't beat myself up anymore. It's not all about hitting the green and nailing every workout. It's about optimizing every workout and then the recovery and making it work for your future goals. Thank
0: you. Good sleep. The one thing that sets you up for a great workout and a good day is quality sleep. We talk about it all the time here on the show, which is why I'm stoked to have Lagoon Sleep as a new sponsor. Because one of the most overlooked tools in a great sleep toolbox is the thing you literally rest your head on eight hours a night. Your pillow. A quality pillow is everything. Otherwise you end up tossing, turning, punching and folding your pillow, waking up with neck pain and all the stuff that happens when your pillow doesn't meet your personal comfort needs. Say hello to the most comfortable sleep you've ever had with Lagoon. They start you out with a two minute personalized pillow quiz and then pair you with your perfect pillow. I got the Otter, a cooling adjustable pillow that is perfect for side sleepers who run warm at night like I do. It is a dream. It's fully adjustable, so I was able to get the perfect loft and support The beauty of the pillow quiz is you can get the perfect pillow that you need to and make your sleep the best sleep you can have. Go to lagoonsleep.com slash play and take the two minute quiz to find your perfect match and then use the code hit play all caps one word for 15% off your first purchase. Sweet dreams. So, Mel, I, I read recently that you're like, I thought I was going to be done at 40, you know, maybe that maybe that would be it, and here you are, you've qualified, and you're here on the big island. Where's your headspace? Like, what is that, like, now, now that you've had a little time to reflect on it, and you're here, like, when you look forward, what are you thinking now?
1: Um, well, I think that it's the product of what my headspace has been for the probably the last Maybe six years. I think I think I really I got a really bad injury, and um, that that was kind of like a hard stop. I thought on my professional career, and so that was a really you know you you get something like that, you lose all your sponsors, you can't run, like you're kind of screwed <laughs> right, as a pro, and so it was a real reckoning as to like what okay what am I going to do now? And so I think there's like the part one version of Melanie as a professional athlete, and then there's part two. And so part one of Melanie was really like, what can I get from racing? I want to get world championship titles. I want to get sponsors. I want to get cool bikes. I want to get like really fast splits. I want to get, um, you know, whatever. Like, what can I get and have? So it's a real outcome based approach to racing. Um, and if you can imagine, that's really unsustainable, right? Like, because uh, eventually somebody's going to beat you, so you're not going to be world champion. Eventually, like sponsors are going to move on because there's somebody younger, generally. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> Anyways, not, <now>. not anymore. <laughs> 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 Anyways, um, and, and you know, so it's ultimately a really unsustainable thing. And so I think that I, I want to point this out because this isn't just professional athletes. Like I I, I, I coach a lot of athletes that are 40, and I have a hashtag called Faster After 40. And a lot of people go, no, no. And I'm like, yes, actually, there's a lot of reasons to think about being faster after 40. Um, and so w- the way that I approach racing, and, and it's, it, it's all like reflected in what my values are, and I think that that's something that I would encourage everybody to, to look into. Okay, what are your core values? Because when you, when you know what is really inside you, like your, the things that are the most important to you, then you can run all your decisions past those core values, and you know whether or not that's your why, right? It's gonna keep like feeding your motivation to do things. And so mine were always growth and health. So obviously I want to be healthy forever. I think it's the fountain of youth. Um, And then growth just reflects how much I really like to learn things. And so now when, when I take this values approach to racing, now it's all about, okay, what can I learn from racing? And what can I experience from racing? And so it... Like it helped me to kind of get through this phase where I was really slow, I was getting my ass handed to me as a pro for like three years and um, I just kept learning about Ironman because my first Ironman wasn't until I was 42 so when I got injured it was like the year after I did my first two Ironmans so I lost a few years just like being injured And so I really wanted to learn how to be better at Ironman. And so I approached it not from like, what can my splits be or how fast can I be? It's like, okay, how can I learn how to be better at this crazy exercise contest? And so having that mindset and and freeing myself from the splits and the whatever just allowed me to kind of really enjoy doing what I was doing. And it also gave me a lot of reasons because I'm, I'm a coach and I want to be the highest level coach with the most possible experience that I can get. And racing as a professional athlete is a pretty rad way to get experiential learning, right? Because you're racing with the best in the sport. And so through that, um, it just so happened that I got faster <laughs> and I kept getting faster and faster and faster. And so that I think that when you, it's the ultimate process versus outcome way of looking at racing is like I do this for the experience. And so, you know, you you may come into the sport and you may not get faster after 40 or 50. Chances are there's gaps there that a good coach can find and can make you faster because there's a lot of new science and really a lot better coaching available, so a lot of people can get faster. But if you kind of take that off the table as a must have, then you all of a sudden you get to experience the sport for a lot longer without beating yourself up about what who you were when you were 20 and how fast you were back then and like constantly comparing yourself to that person and all this kind of goes back to this like being in menopause or whatever and and the whole idea of this Ironman with this moving forward sort of concept for this year like if you're looking at things that you can experience now at the age you are you know in the body you're in then there's there's things that you can have and experience now that you couldn't have had when you were 20. And yeah, we all want to look like the super hot 20 year old we were back then, but you can't. So there's kind of no point in belaboring that point. Like, oh well, that 20 year old probably couldn't afford to stay in Kona this weekend, right? So, you know, there's like there's good things about actually like moving through life. So and, so, and so I think that that's my mindset, whether it's as a coach, whether it's as an athlete, whether it's as a 50 year old woman. You know, there's things that you get at only certain points in your life, and you only get to turn 50 once, and you can just enjoy it and, you know, look at all the, the bright side of it. And there's kind of just no point in looking behind and worrying about who you were then. It's more like looking at what the opportunities to experience and become in front of you.
0: Love every word that came yeah. out of your mouth right there. That is amazing. We have a couple more minutes, and I'd like to give you each an opportunity just to talk to the women in this space and just like what you'd like to leave them with. You can go go ahead.
2: Um, I think it's important to learn as much as you can. Um, podcasts like Celine has hit play, not pause. I mean, we have been vital in my journey um, as an athlete, um, and then just don't. Take out the guesswork. Find the professionals. Find the people that are really going to help you move on. I, I feel like I see a lot of people guessing or on, on some of the like socials where, oh, this hurts, this hurts, this hurts, and everybody's giving them their advice of what to do. And I'm just like, OK, I can't respond. Um, because there's, your Achilles hurts. It could be three different things. Um, and you could be spending your time following wrong advice. Get it assessed. Figure it out. That doesn't mean you have to go to PT for three times a week for the next eight weeks, but know what's going on. So whether it's you go get a movement analysis, a running gait analysis to see if you're a good runner and find ways for opportunities. Um, but I, that's, that's where I've kind of valued my health is that I go to all the specialists. I will pay all the monies to figure out how I can be the best me and, and get back to at least my energy level. So that my advice is like just find, take the time to learn We've got great resources, which we didn't have 10 years ago, and I love that it's becoming a bigger part of the space, but also take the time to find the great professionals that can really help you move on and make sure that you're doing it right so that you're not just spinning wheels and lose a year um, because you thought it was something and it ended up being something else.
0: Thank you. (laughs) All right, Jen?
2: They nailed it beautifully.
3: Uh, I'm just going to add, just give yourself grace, because I see women at this age beating themselves up all the time, whether it's looking at their previous self or, or trying to compete with... You know, it's it, they haven't moved forward, um, and... Uh, I always, I kind of say like, it's, you're not too old and it isn't too late because I think people, and people were telling me like, oh, it's just aging. That's why you feel bad. And, and I wasn't willing to accept that. So I don't think we should accept that. And I feel like you should, um, believe in yourself like be positive and if you walk around and say i'm not a fast runner or, oh i barely made it here or, or something like like just think how you're talking to yourself and how that's that's sounding to yourself and portraying others and um hold your head a high and and embrace it because it's awesome
0: all right well i am so grateful for each and every one of you and i'm grateful for you and uh have the best experience this week thank you for being here Well, that's our show. Come on back next week when I sit down with exercise scientist Sam Moore, who's going to tell us all about what happens to our muscles during menopause. You won't want to miss that one. So come on back next week. And until then, as always, stay feisty. You've been listening to Hit Play, Not Pause a Feisty Menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I'm your host, Celine Yeager. The show is edited and produced by the strong, talented, and amazing women at Live Feisty Media. Follow us on social media at Feisty Menopause. And please help us spread the word. Screenshot and share this episode on your social media channels with the tag at Feisty Menopause. Share the show with your friends. And please subscribe, like, review, and rate this show wherever you get your podcasts. Word of mouth and good reviews make it easier for other listeners to find. Thanks for listening, and as always, stay feisty.